Since humanity learned how to write thousands of years ago, we have been writing letters. We write for thousands of reasons, to encourage, to share, to tell stories, and let others know that we care. The way we communicate with each other has changed, but our reasons remain the same. Almost 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul sat down and wrote a letter, and then he wrote another, and another, and another. Paul's letters changed the world. They still do, and God is still speaking to us through each and every one of these letters. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. I think we can say that now, can't we? We're almost there. It's great to see everybody. I wanna welcome all of you who are here. A lot of times, this is a point in the service where we'll make some snarky comment about how beautiful the weather is here compared to wherever you're watching outside of here. But it is cold. I mean, it's, it's cold here. But I know in Asheville, they're not uh, feeling very empathetic towards us because they got snow. Uh, so no, no sympathy coming from Asheville. But we're glad you guys are here. If you made it to a campus in person, we're glad you're here. If you wimped out and stayed out of the cold and watching online or on Facebook Live. We love you too, and we're glad that y'all are here. I do wanna shout out to our Greenville campus. I love our Greenville campus as well, and today at this service that we're in, we have, I believe, North Greenville University basketball team. Are you guys up there in the balcony? Wave to us, let's, let's welcome them. They're playing the College of Charleston this week. <clears throat> I was asked to pray for y'all to beat the Kyle to Charleston, but I'm a Cougar, I'm a Kyle to Charleston Cougar, and so I'm just gonna pray that y'all play really, really well. So, did y'all catch that? Um, but, but we're glad you guys are here, and hope you guys, hope you guys play well. Hey, uh, since we're, most of us are in the throes of Christmas shopping, uh, I want you to think about, dig deep into your memory banks, uh, about what is, what's the best Christmas present that you ever received? What's the best Christmas present that you ever received? Think about that. I, I know for me, I've, I've been thinking about it some this week, and I do, uh, I do remember getting a bike, you know, and that was cool because it gave you the freedom to kind of explore the neighborhood. And I remember getting a basketball goal, which was great, you know, much like you guys up in the balcony. I uh, was gonna be a professional basketball player until that growth spurt never happened for me, <laughs> unlike y'all. And, and so, but I'd play so many hours of basketball out in the, parking lot, but, uh, but when I think about the best present I ever got, it happened Christmas of 1988. I know a lot of you guys weren't around in 1988, but I was about nine years old, and it was when I got, I, I got a, a Christmas present that I would say is the best one that I've ever received, and I've got, got it here with me, and it was this bad boy right here. Come on, y'all remember this? This is a Nintendo Entertainment System, the original Nintendo Entertainment System, and this was amazing. I mean, I cannot tell you how many hours we spent playing this as a family in the family room, and what was cool about this is, um, if, you, if you remember the games, this is Contra, by the way. Uh, up, 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 what is it again? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. A, B, A, B, start, something like that. There was a code that gave you unlimited lives. But, but this is back when technology, <laughs> technology was made for the everyman, right? I mean, when this thing stopped working, do you guys remember what you did? <laughs> Stick it in there. Who needs IT when you got that right there? We were all IT masters back in the day. But, uh, but, but this was a lot of fun, and, and it was a family gift, and we, we loved playing with it. Then I remember a couple of years later, another gift came out, and uh, it was very much similar, but it was this one. You guys remember this? The Game Boy, 
right? Uh, Daryl, I saw you over there. Thanks for letting me borrow the Game Boy. I didn't still have a Game Boy, but, but I was able to borrow this. But I, I played the music there from the underworld of Mario because I think that in a lot of ways this came from the underworld. Um, it was cool, and I love it. Not, not trying to hate on the Game Boy, but, but what it did while the Nintendo kind of brought the family together. It was kind of the first, at least for our family, it was the first one of those that we had. I know some of y'all had Ataris. We weren't that rich. And so we just had to wait until the Nintendo came out. But this one ended up isolating you. You ended up being able to play all the same games what you'd play them by yourself. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's like, hey, where's dad? Is he in the bathroom playing Tetris again? Uh, you know, that, that, was, that was kind of what would go down with the, the Game Boy. Um, and, and it actually was kind of like the beginnings of these right here, right? It was like the early stages of getting your own deal and it kind of isolated you a little bit. And, and I think for our family anyways, this, this Nintendo was probably the best gift that I ever got. And what I wanna do today, you're like, what, what is, is he ever gonna talk about the Bible or Jesus? You know, I brought my friend to church and uh, I, I am. But, but I, I wanna ask you a question. What if you were in possession of something that if you gave it to the right person at the right time, it could be a game-changing gift for them. It, it, it could be even something that they would go, you know what, it's the best gift that I've ever received. See, I believe all of us have the potential to be able to do that. We're in a series right now, if you're new to the church, called Letters. We're in a bigger series. We've been, we've been reading through the Bible. Uh, we've been on a, a one-year Bible reading plan. And uh, last weekend, if you were here, Pastor Greg kind of declared, Ali, Ali, oxen free. You know, come out, come out wherever you are. If you, if you fall behind in the Bible reading plan, no problem. Jump back in. Let's finish the year strong. And uh, we're, we're looking at some of the letters that Paul wrote to the church and specifically how might they apply to us at Christmas. And, and this week we're in the letter, of, the letter he wrote to the church of the Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, but it's called Ephesians. And, I, and what I wanna do is I, I noticed as I was reading through this, there were some things in here about gifts. There's all kinds of great stuff in Ephesians. If you missed reading it, I'd encourage you to go back and pick it up. Stuff about marriage and about family and about, uh, you know, spiritual warfare and all kinds of incredible practical stuff in, in this letter, but he also talks to the church. And a lot of times in seminary, they use the book of Ephesians as sort of a, uh, a blueprint for how the church should operate and how we should use our gifts to serve one another. And so what I wanna do is looking at Ephesians, I wanna answer this question. How to give the best gifts this Christmas? Wives are kind of nudging husbands, finally, pay attention to this message. Uh, may, maybe not be what, what, what you're hoping for. And so three thoughts out of the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles or smartphones or Game Boys, uh, go to Ephesians chapter four is where we're gonna be hanging out most of the time. The first thought is this. You have to recognize that Jesus has given me a gift. Jesus has given me a gift. He's given you a gift. He's given any one of us that would call ourselves Christ followers, Jesus has actually gifted you with something. You know, he, he says it, Paul says it in Ephesians 4, 7, he says he has given each one of us, notice it doesn't just say the leaders of the church or uh, you know, the, the super spiritual people, he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And if you have some versions of the Bible say gift and some versions say grace, the actual Greek word that they use for that is, it's called charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, and it's where we get the word charismatic or charisma. You know, charismatic, some of the Baptists are like, ooh, that's a, that's a bad word. Uh, it's actually not, it's a good word. It's a, a charisma 
or charis, special gift that God's given you. It's, it's the sort of thing that when you do it, it, it kind of, people would go, man, that looks like he's a natural or she's a natural when she does that. You know, there are certain things that when you do them, they come easier to you than they do to maybe some other people. For example, Greg Surratt, our founding pastor, right? Uh, when he gets up here and teaches on the weekend, most of us would say, man, he's just, he's just got a gift. It's just, there's something about the way that he does that. He's gifted at that. I know, Pastor Greg, you put him in a classroom with eight-year-old girls and ask him to teach them the Bible, he's not gonna have a gift for that. Like, there, there are certain things, certain environments that aren't gonna work. And I know, for me, there are certain things that I just feel like there's a grace that God's given me, a charis, if you will, a special gift, and there are other things that, that, that I don't have them. And all of us, according to this scripture, there are certain areas that we're just gifted for and other areas that maybe, maybe don't come as natural. So what are they? Well, we're gonna talk about spiritual gifts and all throughout the Bible, New Testament, there are lots of different spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about, but there are five of them in particular that, that Paul talks about in this letter. I wanna show them to you. He says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. And if you're like me, you read a passage like that, and those seem like very churchy words. Uh, most of those words don't seem like words that would apply to most of us in our daily lives, so we might be tempted to skim over that and kind of keep reading. But he says he's given each of us a gift, and he's given these five gifts. And so I wanna look at these with you for just a minute. What are these gifts and how might they apply to you and I? The first one is here, apostles. And apostles pioneer and explore. Apostles pioneer and explore. These are the kinds of people that love to start new things. They love to go out and build things and start things and, and try new things. And a lot of times in the professional world or in their business careers, these are entrepreneurs. Uh, maybe these, these are people who start up a business or they lead their own business. Sometimes these people struggle working for other people. Um, not all the time, but sometimes they do. But they, they love to pioneer and start new things. You know, you know, Pastor Greg is an apostle. He started, planted Seacoast. In the church world, a lot of times they, they are church planters or movement leaders. And I know most of us, when we think about an apostle, we think of the position, right? You know, think of the 12 apostles or the, you know, Apostle Paul. But this is a gift, an apostolic gift that he's given many of you in the church. You, you, you tend to lead things and you tend to start Things. One of the examples in our church of an apostle that I think about is this guy, Paul Bolte. Paul's been around now for several years. I remember when he first moved over here uh, from, I think it was New Zealand or Australia, uh, but he moved over and he, he moved to become the United States CEO of the company, the international company that he worked for. And they sent him to go build the company in the United States, which tells you he's got this apostolic gift. He loves to start new things. But I had coffee with him probably four or five weeks after he started coming to Seacoast, and he'd only been a few times, and we had coffee, he wanted to introduce himself to me, and he was like, he had like 100 ideas of how we could do things better already. You know, that's kind of happens when you're apostolic. Sometimes you notice how maybe we could do it better or we could contextualize it better to certain groups of people, and, and so what he does now, in addition to his day job, uh, he just serves as, as uh, part of our dream team here and inside track. And his passion is to help people connect better. And so he's helped us build the inside track and he's, he's a table leader at inside track, but he's always looking for ways to, to help people connect. So if you're here for the first time, just know 
that there is somebody, there's actually a group of somebodies who have this apostolic gift, who are, are really passionate about making sure that you feel like this is a place where you could connect to. And they're working and they're helping us to make it better. They got this gift, this apostolic gift. Some of you may have that. If you have that, or you think you might, maybe put a star next to that one or circle it just so you can kind of explore that a little bit more. It's a gift that God's given you. Another one is the prophets. And prophets hear God's voice. They just have a tendency to be able to, to hear God and often they're, they're good at reading scripture and they may even have a feel for how it might apply in today's world or to their friends or to, to, to somebody that they love's own life. And I know when I think of a prophet, especially if you've been doing the year in the word, uh, some of those Old Testament prophets were, they were some mean people, weren't they? <laughs> they were like, you think of prophecy as like, you know, calling down fire from hell, you know, that, that sort of deal. But, but if you look at prophecy, especially in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. You know, that's what prophets tend to do. Sometimes God will give them a, a word of encouragement to speak into somebody's life. And I know that uh, the friends of mine that I have that are prophetic, one of them is Kathy Roseboro. She serves as my assistant and God has definitely gifted her in this. And even just this week, she was like, Josh, I feel like God gave me a scripture for you and I, I wanna share it with you. And I was like, well, when did he give it to you? She said, several weeks ago, but I've been hesitant. To, and and I, I don't know if that's normal for all people with this gift, but they don't always wanna just come out and say it. They, they, they really wanna pray about it, make sure that it was God. And, but she shared this passage from Ezekiel 37 that was so good and so life-giving and so right on time for my own life and, and even for our church. And some of you uh, have that gift of prophecy. You know, professionally, a lot of times they will be in areas that are maybe deal with the arts. It could be artists or musicians, but sometimes you, you think creatively, you even maybe see pictures or see, see some of these words that come in in a, in a, in a picture format. But, but if you have the gift of prophecy, maybe you're hesitant to, to use it or to speak it. I'd encourage you to lean into that. The church needs that gift to continue to encourage and strengthen each other. But, but some of you are prophets and uh, you may wanna, you may wanna um, put a star next to that. Uh, another one is, oh, I'm sorry, here's an example. Leah Snipe, sorry Leah, she's at our Johns Island campus and, and the people that know Leah best would say that she is prophetic. Uh, she's gifted in this area. She serves on our worship team. She's actually a student at MUSC, but, but she just tends to give right on time encouragement, right on time encouragement from the Lord in people's lives. So you got prophets, you got evangelists. And evangelists, they recruit. Uh, evangelists are, are interesting. That's the one that when I took the test and kind of evaluated my spiritual gifts, this is the one that I came out with the highest score on. And, and evangelists, they tend to love people they love to be around people. They, they tend to like to throw parties and sometimes they're really just good with people, but they like to recruit. They like to tell people about the things that they're excited about. Like, so if you have this gift of evangelism, when you go eat at a restaurant and you love it, you tell all your friends about it. You post about it on social media. You're the kind of person that you just wanna, you wanna bring everybody in to the things that you're excited about. Now, a lot of times evangelists are more comfortable around unchurched people than they are around church people. You know, they just, they, they like to be around people who are hurting and, you know, I said I'm an evangelist. That's kind of a problem because I actually lead a church, but I like you as well, but, but we do tend to, 
We, we tend to enjoy being in environments outside of the church. I think that's why I love being at the gym and connecting with people who'd have no context for, for who God is because it's just, it's, we love to, to connect with people and, and invite them to be a part. Up at Somerville, Josefina has uh, is, is definitely got this gift of evangelism. She serves in the cafe and at the information center, which makes sense because we like to be around people and we like to connect with people. And, uh, but, but she always is bringing her friends to church, always inviting people to come with them. And I love it when you guys do this. Every now and then out in the foyer, you evangelists will come up to me and you'll say, hey, I brought a friend this weekend. Don't screw it up. Okay, like don't, just, I, I, they finally come with me. And, and I love that, because you're bringing people in and you see church through a different lens when you bring a friend, right? You see church through the lens of an unchurched person. By the way, if you've never brought an unchurched friend to church, you probably don't fully understand why we do things the way we do at Seacoast, because we try to think about those people uh, every single weekend in our environments. And, and evangelists get that, and they love to bring people. Another one is pastors. Pastors nurture and protect. They nurture and protect. You know, pastors tend to be empathetic and sympathetic towards other people. Uh, this is the person that you want to show up when you're having a, a bad day. This is the person that you hope will show up because they tend to know when to say the right thing and bring the right encouragement or know when to just not say anything at all, just to be with you. A lot of our small group leaders here at Seacoast have this gift of a pastor. You know, they're not employed by the church. They aren't, you know, full-time pastors, but they're gifted to pastor people, to care for people. And I love even looking around here and seeing so many of our great small group leaders. They just love to do it. You know, at Seacoast, I love this. This is at our Asheville campus. And what about this picture doesn't say pastor? You know, I mean, it's just awesome. It's awesome. Um, but, but, Lori, on, she's a small group leader. She's, she's up at Asheville. She's got a group of uh, mostly women in their 20s and 30s, mostly single, and she just cares for these women and invests in them and pours her life into them and protects them, and she's got a heart for these people. She's got a gift to be a pastor. Many of you have that gift. You know, another one, the, the last one in, in the list is teachers. It's probably the only word that we use a lot in our culture today outside of the church, but teachers understand and explain. They have a way of breaking things down for us. They can take complicated things and make them simple and, and explain them in a way that, that everyday people are able to understand. Sometimes they're the intellectual types. You may remember Pastor Darren Patrick talked about pathways in worship and he talked about the intellectual pathway and some of the teachers uh, tend, tend towards that. Um, uh, you know, they love it when a light bulb goes off for somebody else. They can be teachers, professors, coaches, sometimes trainers, corporate trainers in the professional world, but they're gifted at breaking things down. You know, up at our Columbia campus, this is Mary Sue Sawyer. Uh, this is actually Mary Reams, her daughter, but Mary Sue uh, has been at our Columbia campus for 10 years, and she's a small group leader, and she just has a, a way of being able to break things down and teach biblical truth in a way that, that people can understand. You know, she worked for a long time at Richland Northeast, uh, or Richland Memorial Hospital as a laboratory director, but she's just, she's gifted at teaching. And some of you may be gifted in these ways, but, but these are five different areas that Paul says, hey, Christ has given you a gift. Christ has given you something, it's in you. And I would just encourage you to ask yourself, what is my gifting? What, where might I be more 
inclined to, to lean into. And if, if you're interested in learning more about this stuff, there's two things you can do. One, inside track. Uh, every month uh, at this campus, and I know every campus is gonna do it the month of January, uh, the, the first weekend in January, we do the inside track, and it's a great place for you to come and discover how has God wired me, what are the gifts that are inside of me, and how can I use those gifts to, to, to serve and to, to make a difference in the church? Uh, and so I'd encourage you to maybe check that out. It's a new year, a great time to kind of start fresh and maybe jump into that. But another thing you can do is there's a survey. It's called fivefoldsurvey.com. And uh, Mike Breen, it's on your outline sheet if you've, if you've got that. As a friend of mine, he put this survey together and it's about 80 questions or so. It took me about five to seven minutes to take it. And, and you answer these questions and it'll kind of plot you on where they think that you might be. And here's what I love about the survey. It's free and they don't ask for your email address. And so that's why I gave you that, because it's like, they're not gonna come hound you. It's really meant just to serve you and to help you if you wanna explore some of these things in your life. These are gifts. Think about that mix of gifts, though, for a second. Why would, why would Jesus have put those five things in us? Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, uh, pastors. It's because Jesus embodied all five of those. It's almost, think of it like a spiritual DNA. You know, that Jesus is kind of putting into the church because the church is a reflection of Jesus to the world. And he wants us to reflect who he is and he was all of these things to the world. You've been given a gift. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. You know, when you're down about yourself or having a bad day, read that and put your name in there for Josh is God's masterpiece. It's just good to know that God put some thought into your DNA. You may have been an accident to your parents, but you weren't an accident to God. So, so he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do, the, I didn't mean to bring up some parent wounds there, so, uh, so, so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God has designed us on purpose. He's given us gifts. He wants us to use them. That's the first thought for us. Second one is I am a gift to the church. Not only has Jesus given us gifts, but we are gifts to the church. See, in terms of the gifts that Jesus has given us, remember, we are, we're this one. Uh, we're not just the Game Boy. When we use our gifts, and many of you have done this, you, you, you can even think now how these gifts that God's given you have maybe allowed you to excel in a certain area in the workforce, and it maybe, maybe it's allowed you to provide income for your family and, and helped you be good at what you do, and that's great, but when you only use them in that way, it's like having a Game Boy. It's, it's only you, it's only helping you, but God has wired us, we're gifts to the church. These gifts have a place to, to, to build the family, to build unity in the body of Christ. So, so we've all been gifted, but we are also gifts to the church. Look at, uh, he continues in his thought, Ephesians 4, after he names those gifts, he says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Who, who's they? It's the, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the evangelists, the pastors. It's all of us. Our job is to equip God's people to do his work. It says this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. Again, the purpose is that we would have unity together and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You wanna be mature in your faith. You wanna, you wanna have a mature walk with the Lord. Get involved. Use those gifts in the church. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever 
that they sound like the truth. I'll tell you what, I think about you guys, think about my, my own kids, my own life. I don't want us to be the kind of people who are kind of tossed around with every new teaching and aren't grounded in our faith and have a basis for what's true. And, and in order to do that, we've got to be willing to, to bring our, our gifts into the church. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, have you ever had a, a body part stop working? <laughs> you, you know, you ever broken a bone or you know, hurt yourself? Like, you don't really notice all your body parts until one of them stops working and then you realize that it was a pretty critical part of your body. And, and the same thing is true in the church. Every one of us is an important part in the body of Christ. Let, let me explain it to you this way. Basically, there's two models for doing church. You've got kind of this clergy-led church is what we'll call it for, for the lack of a better name, but it's, it's what I would say 80% of churches these days uh, look like, in America anyways, in the Western church. And what you have is you have about 100 people. Uh, when, when 100 people form together, they pool their resources and, and they decide they're gonna hire a pastor, right? And that pastor has a job description. Uh, and this is what his job description or her job description usually looks like. Uh, you, you preach on the weekends, you know, br bring a word every weekend, uh, sometimes Wednesday night teachings as well. They need to be the one that, that does the teaching for the church. And then they also, if somebody gets sick or goes to the hospital, they would visit those people and minister to them in the hospital. Uh, when somebody dies, they'll, they'll do their funeral, they'll bury them, they'll marry people when they get married, uh, they'll mow the grass to make sure it looks good when people come, and, and they'll make sure the worship guides are ready for the weekend. And basically what you have, and certainly other people would help a little bit, but you have a model where you have 100 people and you have one pastor, and ultimately what that leads you to is one minister. One person, his job is to do the ministry. And that's how most churches operated, but that, that's not how Paul shows it in Ephesians 4. That's not how we intend to operate as a church at Seacoast. See, this is the Ephesians 4 model. You have the same deal, 100 people, they hire a pastor. That's about the ratio that we have at most of our campuses, at Mount Pleasant campuses. It's a, a, a few more people than that to a pastor, but, but what they do is the difference is the job description of that pastor. What's that job description in Ephesians 4? Their job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. At the, at the end of the day, that's their job, is to help people understand how am I wired, how, how am I uniquely designed, and, and, and how can I use those gifts in the church? How can I use those gifts to, 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 to serve people in the church? And so as a pastor, our job is to eliminate any obstacles, to help you understand where you are, maybe help you identify needs outside of the church and connect them, but ultimately what you have is a pastor who equips 100 people, and after you do that, you have 101 ministers. Can you see where this is a much more effective model? Can you see where God kind of got it right when he decided how to do this? And it, it means that you've got 101 ministers. And I think about Seacoast. We've got about 15,000 people that will attend a Seacoast campus this weekend. Now, how cool would it be if there were 15,000 ministers recognizing that God has uniquely designed me and that there's a place for me in this church and there's a place for me to make a difference in the world around me. You know, um, I had lunch this week with a couple of guys. Uh, I think it may have been last week, but Frank and, and, and Steve. And Frank and Steve are both business guys in the church and 
Um, that, that one of them's been in medicine most of his career. One of them has been in more banking finance uh, for most of his career. But both of them have been successful in business. And, and they met, and what they wanted to talk to us about is, is this idea that they had about wanting to see marketplace ministry, wanting to see us do a better job as a church of taking what we talk about on the weekend and, and infiltrating the marketplace with it and helping equip you people to go into your jobs and to take what you're learning and to, to live out your faith in the marketplace, and it was awesome conversation, had great ideas and great vision for it, and, and here's how it works in the Ephesians 4 model. As we basically said, okay, that sounds great, love the idea, it sounds like God is stirring you guys to do it. Our job as, as leaders in the church is to just try, try to eliminate any obstacles and help equip you to do that in the best way that you possibly can. And so we may very well have a, a marketplace ministry next year. If we do, it'll be because Frank and Steve took their gifts and put them to work and rallied some people around them and made it happen. No pressure, Frank, but, but, but it's really on, on them, uh, all of us together, but, but it's, it's not that we're gonna go start a marketplace ministry. We're gonna do it together. We're gonna find a way to, to work together to make it happen, and that's, that's how it's supposed to work. And so you have been given a gift. You are a gift to the body of Christ. I'll say it to you this way. Without you, Every one of you, whether you've been coming for a couple of weeks or you've been coming for years, without you, we are at best an incomplete picture of the body of Christ. Think about that. At, at our very best, we are an incomplete picture of the body of Christ. You know, there are gonna be people that walk into the doors of, of our campuses this weekend who maybe are struggling or going through difficult circumstances and they're gonna hope that, that they might bump into a pastor who might be able to encourage them. And they'll see a pastor on the platform, a campus pastor at their campus, but will they, will they connect with the pastor who's sitting on their row? Will they bump into the pastor who's out in the breezeway, who's there to encourage and to nurture and to support? You know, there are gonna be people who drive into our parking lot uh, every single weekend, and I love our parking team, uh, part of our dream team. These are men and women who are willing to brave the cold, and so these people are gonna show up, and some of you did this today. Somebody's been inviting you to church for a while, and you are fairly apprehensive about coming. Uh, you didn't know what to expect, you didn't know if you're gonna be judged or if you'd feel like an outsider. And the reason that that person was out in the parking lot is not because they don't think you know how to park your car. They're pretty sure you do a good job of doing that uh, every day of your life but they're there because they wanna make sure you know that you matter, that they're glad that you're here, that, that we were expecting you, and that you would see somebody who is smiling and encouraging you, and, and that, that you felt like you were glad, they were glad that you were here. And I'm so grateful that, that all around all of our campuses, we have so many people who have stepped up and, and are willing to do it, but we're an incomplete picture if all of us don't get involved. So I wanna invite all of you to consider that. H how are you gifted, and are you putting those gifts into play in, in this family, in this church family. La last thought for us. God's given you a gift. You're a gift to the church. The church is a gift to the world. The church is a gift to the world. Now, I watch the news like the rest of you, and, and I, I feel pretty confident that there's a good number of unchurched people that if this Christmas they opened up a gift and it was all of you at their house, you know, the church, that they might not think that was the best thing ever. You know, they might be hoping that if they could only get the church this year, that their life would be different. You know who, I hate, I hate the fact that that's the narrative, that, that for a lot of the world, a lot of people who are outside of these walls, maybe they feel like outsiders or they feel 
Like if they came to the church, they would see a group of people who were looking down their nose at them or who were trying to get them to you know, conform to be more like them. I, I hate that that's the way some people feel, but whose job is it to change that perception? It's ours, it's all of ours. We are a gift to the world. In fact, look at what Paul said to the, the Ephesians in chapter two. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You used to be outsiders. Don't forget that. He's saying, Seacos, don't forget that you used to be outsiders. That, that in their case, you were called uncircumcised heathens. Now, don't call anybody that. That's just not nice to say. <laughs> what, what, what this is about is basically they were told they're not Jewish, so they're not in. You know, that's kind of was, was their frame of reference as believers in the first century or as people in the first century. And so he knew that they felt like they were outsiders. He says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. It says you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. You lived in this world without God and without hope. I wonder how many of your friends are living this December without God and without hope. Feel like outsiders. Man, I remember what it was like to feel like an outsider. But Paul says, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ, not because you got your act together, not because you started to believe the same things everybody else did, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of what Jesus did, you've been brought back to Christ, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. You know, how did they come to recognize and realize this incredible gift that Christ had given them? It's through people like you and me who are willing to use the gifts that God's given us to help people to see that they could be included in God's love and God's plan. Man, I, I know what it's like to live without hope and to live without God. In fact, this month, for me, it's 20 years now. 20 years ago this month, I was 18 years old and I was student at the College of Charleston, no Cougars, just kidding, pulling for both of you guys. But I, I was a freshman, and, and I had kind of rebelled, not really for my parents, I loved my parents, but I, I had chosen a different path, and I was running away from God, and I was living without hope. And, and, and I can remember a friend of mine, actually my brother, invited me to his house for an oyster roast, and I've told you guys this story a few times, but I went with a, several of my friends to this oyster roast, and, and it was fine, it was great, we ate, and, and then they turned it into a Bible study, uh, which I was a little irritated about, felt like they, they baited and switched me and my friends, but it was okay, you know, we, we, we did it. And, and I can remember it towards the end of that Bible study, nothing significant happened that night, I mean, we talked about some things, watched a video, and, and there was one guy in the group, his name was Hal, and I'll never forget Hal. Hal's never worked for a church, he's a physical therapist, but he's, he's a prophet. He's got the gift of prophecy. And as we were getting ready to break up for the night, he said, y'all, I, I, like, I feel like the Lord is speaking to me and I feel like he's saying that there's somebody in this room that's been running from God and that's living without hope and without God. And that if you're, if you're open to it today, you could take one step back towards Christ. And I knew as soon as he opened his mouth, as soon as he spoke that prophetic kind of nudge that he had, as soon as he spoke it, I knew that he was talking to me. And by the end of that night, not only had I surrendered my life to Christ and found that hope, but 
all of my friends, five of us made that decision and all of whom are, are still living for God today. But it was because one person just like you and me, not a pastor on staff, not a professional minister, one person leaned into the gifting that God gave him and spoke up. It changed my life forever. In fact, it is the best gift that I've ever received, except for that Nintendo. I'm just kidding, it's actually better. I mean, really, my life has never been the same. I've had hard times, I've certainly fallen short, I've definitely made lots of mistakes, but I haven't lived a second of my life without hope and without knowing that I'm a child of God. You know, who in your life is living without hope? What would it look like for you to recognize that God has wired you uniquely? He's placed you in your workplace, he's placed you in your neighborhood, and, and, and he's, he's done that so that you could use your gifts to help people come to know him. You know, it's December, and statistically, December is a time where instances of depression, anxiety, suicide, all go up in December. December has a way of putting a magnifying glass on the pain that we're walking through. For many people, this is the first Christmas that they'll face since major transition happened in their life, whether that was a breakup or a death or a loss in some way. And so people's senses are heightened to, to want to experience God's hope. What would it look like for you to just pay attention to what God might be doing? It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to understand everything there is to know about the Bible. In fact, this week, I told you I'm an evangelist. And, and so my, my wife, I'd gone to pick up some dinner for the family and she texted me and said, hey, I need you to stop by the store and pick up a brown sweater for Miles because he's a goat in the Christmas play tomorrow. I'm so proud of him uh, for all that he's doing. He was a goat um, and so he needed a sweater. So I go over to Old Navy and I don't know what brown is. I, honestly, there are so many colors. I, I knew that I was in the right ballpark but I grabbed two that looked like they might be brown and so I grabbed them and I was like, I'll buy both of them and return the one that doesn't work and so I go back to the line uh, to check out, and there's a woman standing in front of me, and she just looked like she had it together, like she was dressed, dressed well, and so I was like, excuse me, ma'am, can I ask you a question? And she says, I know who you are. And I was like, oh, cool, I figured Seacoast, because that happens a lot. And she said, you worked at Outback Steakhouse, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, I did. And the coolest thing, 20 years ago, we worked together at Outback. She worked there for about three months, and I, you know, as soon as she said something, I was like, oh, I do remember you. So we kind of introduced ourselves and reminisced a little bit about Outback. And I said, well, what I was gonna ask you is, uh, my son is a goat and a play, and which one of these sweaters looks more like a goat? And she was like, I've never seen a redheaded goat. Put that one back, that's, that's brown. And so she helped me out in that way. But as we're standing in line waiting to check out, she shared with me that she'd experienced a, a tremendous loss in her life. Uh, her only son was stillborn a couple of years ago, and I don't know why she shared that with me, and uh, she didn't know about that, that I'm a pastor, that I work at Seacoast, and so I just told her, hey, I'm so sorry to hear about that, and I'll be praying for you uh, during this Christmas season, and then we kind of said goodbye. She checked out and, and took off, and I felt like, man, I feel like I missed an opportunity there, and so I, I Facebook stalked her, and I friended her, and I sent her a message, and I just said, hey, um, I, I wanted to you know reach out to you and say it was great to bump into you, and uh, I, I'm a part of this church called Seacoast, and if there's ever anything we can do, I know it's been a hard couple of years, I'd love for us to be able to serve you, and I'd love to invite you to come to Christmas Eve. I don't know if she'll come or not. I hope that she does. I don't know where she is with God. I don't, I don't know any of that stuff, but it doesn't have to be complicated. We just have to lean in and, and really go, God, okay, 
I know there are people who are struggling. I know you're at work in their life. Would you just help me to know what my role is in that? If it's to extend an invitation, if it's to send a text, if it's to offer a word of encouragement, God, what's my role and and, and what you're doing in their life? My hope is that we'll recognize that we've been gifted and your gifts matter. We need them in the church. But that during these next couple of weeks as we lead up to Christmas, that we would be willing to leverage those gifts to a world that desperately needs to know that they can have hope and that they can have a relationship with God through Christ. Would you pray with me as we close? God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you've given all of us gifts. Lord, that not one of us has been created by accident. Lord, you haven't made a mistake. You've, you've uniquely designed us on purpose. And Lord, we value those gifts. And I just pray that we'd be a people who are willing to give those gifts back to you, to use them for the, the unity of your family, of your church, to use them to, to help us to grow into maturity, but then to also give those gifts to a world that desperately needs to know that you love them. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.